0: Hi, I'm Shagun Lawson. I'm CEO and President of Thor Explorations. We are listed on the TSXV and on the AIM market of the London Stock Exchange. We're a West African-focused gold producer with a portfolio of assets in Nigeria, where we have our flagship project, the Segalolo Gold Project, a high-grade open-pit gold project, which we started producing in December last year. And we have a presence in Senegal, where we have a Duta project, which is a couple of years behind where we are in Nigeria. And um, one thing I really like to emphasize is we have a portfolio as a first mover in Nigeria, a portfolio of exploration assets we're looking to advance over the next few years. Hello, my
1: name is uh, Sean Pollard. I am one of the founders and the CFO of Westhaven Gold Corp. We trade on the uh, Venture Exchange as well. Their ticker is WHN. Uh, For the better part of the last decade, we've been uh, building the preeminent land position on the uh, Spencers Bridge Gold Belt, which is uh, Southern British Columbia And more recently, in 2018, we were one of the best performing equities on the exchange when we made a very high grade gold discovery on our shovel nose gold property. Since then, uh, we've gone on to publish our our maiden resource this year, which is 1.1 million ounces gold equivalent. And we've gone on to find additional zones of high grade gold outside of this. uh, resource. Uh, this year, we've had some of the best drill results in Canada, including 23 metres of 37 grams per tonne gold, 8 metres of 20 grams, so on. We have two drills turning currently, um, 36 holes in different stages of processing, no shortage of uh, potential near-term drill results catalysts on the horizon.
2: My name is Brad Rourke, and I'm President and CEO of Scotty Resources, also operating in British Columbia, uh, a little bit further north than Sean, in an area known as the Golden Triangle. Uh, as Sean, we have a new discovery as well, and we just put our third drill on on the project. Should be uh, turning today. So uh, much, you know, it's been a, a exercise of consolidation and and exploration, and uh, you know, we're excited to get at it, even in spite of a very challenging market. So,
3: well, well, you said it. Uh, it's, it's a challenging market. I'm not sure people. Um, all have the same reasons as to why they believe it to be um, challenging. like Shigan, you've, you've you got into production at the end of last year, first commercial uh, production Q1 this uh, this year. What are the, what are the challenges that you faced? I would assume inflation was a big part of that, but what what was it?
0: Um, I think general market sentiment and um, really um, getting the market convincing the market about the credibility of the company of, of the project. We've now, since transitioning from an exploration company, have successfully uh, produced gold in December. We produced over 21,000 ounces in Q1 this year. We improved that in Q2 by over 11%, produced just under 24,000 ounces. So we're over 45,000 ounces for the year. I think uh, there's also worth emphasizing that we've done all this within cost uh, budget of around about $800 per ounce. And we're aiming for 100,000 ounces of production this year. Um, so we we do believe that you know once we continue to demonstrate to the market that we're producing we're producing within budget um i I hope the market starts uh, giving us the credibility we we deserve
3: well that's the, that's the big question isn't it you know when, you, when we sort of come out of this um dip that we're in now i mean we, we always do come out of these dips uh, just at the time it feels awful um do you think that production companies are going to get a little bit more um, credence than perhaps you know, aspiration stories. I mean, what, should I go again? I
0: think I, I think uh, everyone in this sector loves a new discovery, loves a high grade discovery. So that's always going to get the 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 uplifting share price. But I mean, if you take us for example, our operating cash is pretty much on an annual basis It's pretty much the same as our market cap. So there's definitely some um, some re-rating opportunity there. Um, and then to add to that, we we're not just about um, production now, you know, we are a first mover in Nigeria and we've taken that opportunity to to, um, pick up more ground. We've built up a ground of over 1300 square kilometers, very prospective, underexplored by modern exploration techniques uh, ground around us within trucking distance. So to answer your question directly, I think a re-rating would be natural should we continue to perform. But I do think the exploration side of the story is what a lot of retail investors look for.
3: Right. And Sean, and challenges that you've, you face in BC, tier one jurisdiction by all accounts. Um, therefore you, you get credit for that, but it's expiration. It's early days. You've made one discovery. Do you need to make another? What's going to move the dial?
1: Well, it's interesting because the, the shovel property, I mean, we have a major highway literally cutting through the western portion of our claims. We're just south of the city of Merritt. So we have access, we have infrastructure, there's no helicopters, no camps. The shovel drilling is pretty easy going. I mean, you can be at a Boston pizza having a pint by six if you want to be. What's interesting was last year, though, we had a, a serious forest fire season as well as floods. And these floods affected BC seriously. They washed out roads, they burnt down towns. Um, we have a property called the Skunka. Uh, we've been wanting to drill this property f- since 2017. Uh, with the discovery at the Shovel nose, we've been largely focused there, but last year we were planning to get to that. But then the town of Lytton, which is where we would have been based out of, that burnt down. Uh, the highway to get us there was washed out. So uh, that's been, a, um, I guess, uh, nature's Proved made, made things difficult for us to get out and drill that Skunka property. However, this year the logistics it's a bit more interesting, a bit more complicated. But we're looking hopefully to get a drill up there and start turning on that property as well. And the thing about the Skunka property was, um, up until the high grade gold discovery at the Shovel Nose, the Skunka was really the jewel in the crown that is the Spencer's Bridge gold belt. It had the best drill results across the entire belt, twenty grams over thirteen meters. And uh, no one's been back to drill that property since 2008. So we're hoping to get up there this year, uh, poke some holes, and show that that type of grade exists over distance and size.
3: Right. You're excited about that. And you think that's going to move the dial. Maybe historically it has moved the dial. Do you think in this, in this current climate, people are listening? Uh, and if so, you know, do you allocate the, the time, resource, capital to do that?
1: Well, 100% because, again, uh, this is a built play. Uh, And so the shovel nose we've already demonstrated as the potential to host a million ounces. Personally, I think we're going to show a few million ounces by the time we're done. You don't have vein zones that are four kilometres long with intercepts of 20 plus metres of 9, 10 grams. I mean, you're, we're dealing with a sizable system there, but that's the shovel nose. If we can demonstrate that our Prospect Valley property, our Skunka property, and our Skunka Nose property also have this potential, also contain ounces, then maybe we're looking at a central processing facility where these properties could all feed that facility, as opposed to a standalone facility on the shovel nose, on the Skunka, and so on. So the sooner we get out there and test our other three properties and move them up the confidence curve, the sooner we'll know whether or not we're looking at a um, a big area of play here.
3: Okay, and Brad, I got to come to you. You've been banging out some super high grade uh, numbers and, and headlines. Um, are you frustrated by the kind of lack of response in the marketplace? And you know, how are you choosing to while your time away uh, during this dip?
2: Yeah, I'm not allowed to show frustration because I got to keep the key the <laughs> team intact, and because I have, you know, it's not my first rodeo. You know, I was a dot com millionaire when I was 25 years old, and and. Uh, Know what it's like to get obliterated. So uh, I've gone through these things before. Um, you know, of course, it's challenging. It's not uh, how I anticipated things would go even six, seven years ago, but I have not lost any confidence in my theories on the macro and, and, and what's going on in the world. So it, it's a matter of, you know, all I know is I wake up in the morning, I go, it's a lot more challenging. It's challenging for everybody. So who's gonna blink first? It's not gonna be me. So uh, I, you know, it, it's just a matter of survival at this moment, and, and and keeping enthusiastic and doing a program rather than just shutting the doors. So yeah, yeah, you, know, you know, it's challenging, but my job is just to make sure everybody's uh, online and on point, and and uh, teach these younger millennial geologists that this is it's okay. This is part of the the cycle, and and the cream will rise to the top, and and we're hell bent uh, determined. So. You know, we've got a new discovery and, and so and we're lucky enough that we're financed. So we I do have enough money to go drill holes and, and maybe we'll be like Forrest Gump on the shrimp boat at the, uh, you know, the last guy standing with with drill results when I see a lot of programs being cut back right now. So, you know, our well, no, business That's a, that's a great point. Minds,
3: that's yeah. a great point, Brad. I want to talk about that. It literally was a question I was going to ask you. You've got some cash. You've got a lot of cash available to you, but it's, I guess what the market's looking for and your shareholders are looking for is like, well, what do you do with that cash? Right. You can say, I'll hunker down and I'll kind of, I'll reduce any, any dilution, uh, or, you know, unnecessary spend, or I can go and try and make one dollar worth three dollars. Has your, have your plans changed? Well, just to
1: add to Brad's point here, his point, you know, we've been through these cycles before. I've been, I've been in this business long enough to remember when we were excited when gold went from 250 through 300, right? I'm also old enough to remember when gold, uh, the global financial crisis went quickly from 800 bucks to 1900 bucks in a, you know, in a couple of years. Just because we have a gold price environment doesn't mean deals aren't getting done. I mean, think back to when gold was a thousand bucks. Kamenak, which is Ira Thomas, which is our chairman's uh, daughter. Uh, she sold that project to Goldcorp for half a billion dollars, right? So deals will get done. The cream will rise to the top. like Professional management teams with serious projects, they will get the attention. This is where is the, the weed is separated from the chapter. Chat separating wheat. So,
3: no, no, I, I think I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think that's the, the nature of these sort of panels that we're putting together. So it's just trying to help people understand what they should be looking at and what they should not really be worrying about because stuff happens, mining's tough, and all of that, right? But, Shagan, I've, I've got to come back to you. Now that, and as an ex banker, I'm saying this is when companies start doing well, you. Want to start throwing uh, money at them, right? So I know you've t- just got into production. You've t- you've got a- You've got three three projects in three different countries. I say you've got multiple projects in three different countries. Is it a case for you get your head down, kind of weather the storm, and focus on what you're focusing, or are you, are you having your head turned by some of these bankers and the money that they're offering you when you don't need it?
0: <laughs> Look, uh, I, I I remember just very recently uh, a couple of years ago when. You know, scrambling around to raise a few hundred grand here, and you know, uh, and now we don't need it. Um, it seems there's there's a huge opportunity to raise this money, but we have no intention of uh, diluting uh, shareholders. Uh, we have very strong cash flows um, at the moment. Our, our all-in sustaining costs is uh, probably in the bottom quartile um, globally. Um, it's for for the life of the mine. It's under seven hundred dollars, um, and um, we we have. A senior debt facility, which was initially $54 million, we've reduced that by 30%. It will be down to $30 million $28 million, $30 million, by the end of September. So we, we have strong cash flows. I think what is key for us is uh, demonstrating that it's we're not just a single project company. We have three drill rigs turning at the moment in Nigeria where we have some very interesting drill targets, which we're trying to drill. And these are all going towards my life extension. They're all within tracking distance of the mine. We also have a second project in Senegal, uh, the Duta project, and we hit our first major milestone last year, which is a maiden resource. That was 730,000 ounces of 1.5 grams a ton. We're trying to build on that now. And We're trying to take that through the studies over the next couple of years because we want to be in a unique position as a, a single asset producer, should I say, where we can go out and build our second mine organically without having to go out to acquire one. So To answer your question, um, we, we have no intention of um, taking dilutive equity from anyone. We don't need it. If anything, we, we, we would be looking to give money back to shareholders before we any other rather than an equity raise anytime soon, and then we're also looking at building on what we have.
3: Okay, really interesting because um, you touched on a few things I want to get into like, with the discussion here. I mean, lots of chat around um, jurisdictional risk, right? And I think West Africa was not getting a, a you know a good play uh, a couple of years ago. Some newsletter writers writing some fairly negative and pretty dumb stuff, if I'm honest. Um, West Africa has produced a lot of gold. But it's you know in, over over decades, decades of uh, of mining. But do you feel that North American investors kind of get West Africa? I know the AIM guys tend to, but you're dual listed. I mean, where are you seeing most of your trading from? And you know, and are you seeing us like movements now that you're in production?
0: Yeah, I mean, originally we were listed on the TSXV via reverse takeover. So, I mean, we we had most of our all our listing on on the TSXV side, however, raising money kept on coming from this side of the Atlantic, um, which was the rationale for eventually listing in in London. We've actually seen a lot of volume being moved from North America to our London line, and which they're they're quite even now, but London is gradually overtaking. Um, and, And we find that, you know, investors on both sides of the Atlantic understand West Africa, I think what makes us slightly different and what makes us unique is the fact that our project is Nigeria. And um, it's not known as a mining jurisdiction. It's not known as this is the first gold mine in Nigeria. So um, with that, in in that respect, um, the investors in the UK have been a lot more receptive. Um, to investors in North America, um, because there have been a number of oil and gas success stories on the AIM market in London, and they investors have done very well out of that. And now transitioning to mining, they're not as they don't seem to be as scared as the North American investors.
3: Okay, it's interesting, Sean. Now you have just indicated you, you were you worked in London, uh, you, you know you know it well, um, and you've seen a few cycles as well. You've said. Looking back at some of those cycles, the way that companies, so way that investors behave, where companies behave and the way that bankers um, behave is is quite telling. It's it's just you know history repeating for sure. In moments like this, sometimes juniors go off and try and think. Well, maybe I need to be dual listed somewhere. Maybe that could help my liquidity. Or do you th- do you see that in this moment? Is it as bad as perhaps it you know was you know in in, in previous cycles? Or do you think people have learned from the past or, you know, what, what are your defence mechanisms that you're employing?
1: Well, whenever you're in a cycle like this, it always feels like it's the worst cycle. So I have to think back to what it was like, say in 2015, when gold was a thousand bucks an ounce, or say 2003, when we, you know, this goal was 300 bucks an ounce. And all we were hoping for was 450 an ounce type thing. Uh, this cycle, I mean, just looking at the GDXJ, where it is compared to where gold is, I, I never thought I'd see GDXJ, GDXJ below 40 again. Um it was trading at uh, when gold was thirteen hundred bucks. It was trading at this level, and uh, the major mining companies—they're printing cash at seventeen hundred dollar gold right now. Their average all-in sustaining cost is around eleven fifty an ounce. So. Um, we just got to hunker down, keep our heads down and be positive because we've seen this before, right? And again, the money, when it flows back into the sector, back into the space, it will flow to those real companies that are generating good news flow, right? And also importantly, just to touch upon the dilution uh, comment, dilution can be good sometimes, right? And so, our our, our strategy this year at the Shovelnose is very simple. We have a very high-grade Gold vein zone. We keep 1 foot on the vein, we keep 1 foot off it and we're slowly drilling density along this. We continue to hit high grade gold. If we can raise, say, you know, we'll likely raise money, um, whether it's next week, next month, next quarter or so, we'll look to raise money to keep the drills turning. Um, If we can add or or double our resource and we only dilute the company by 10% to double that, well, I think that's money well spent.
3: Okay, but talk to me about that concept of you know in storms like this, it shakes the trees a bit. Few people get shaken out, and you know the good companies survive. It, you you've got to truly believe that to so think. Well, actually, I don't mind the occasional dip in the market because it sorts the you know. I say wait for the chaff to use your phrase from earlier. Um, but how do you ensure that you're one of the ones that survives? You know, and how do people identify that you will be one of the companies that survives? What, what should we be looking for?
1: I think it depends on your goals. Right, we're an exploration. Uh, we're exploration focused. Our goal is to advance this property as far downfield as possible and pass it off to a, a producer type company. Now, our management team has done that before. Uh, our chairman, Gren Thomas, has made multiple discoveries, created billions of dollars in market value over the years. Um, and so we sort of reverse engineered what a major mining company looks for, right? They want a tier one jurisdiction. Well, just in the last few years, Newmont came in in the big time way and acquired GT Gold. Newcrest came in, paid 800 million US dollars for a 75 percent interest in Imperial. Then they bought Predium for 3.8 billion dollars. So the majors are coming to this province. They're looking for projects. So what does a project look like that they might be interested in? Okay, well, it has to be something that moves the needle. That means at least two million ounces. Well. I believe we're going to show more than two million ounces at the shovel nose, and again, um, looking forward to uh, say things like internal rates of return. Well, we're off a highway; we're near a city, so right there you're reducing your infrastructure, your upfront capex costs, and you don't have to build that stuff out. So, chances are you're also collapsing your time to cash flow. So, we believe we're going to show a multi-million ounce project with a significant, you know, with a high IRR, a small capex compared to a lot of people trying to bring on new projects in the middle of Timbuktu building something a major wants, basically.
3: Well, that, that's that's really interesting concept. And maybe Brad, you, you can step in here because I'm, I'm always interested in people's like offense and defense strategies. And if you've got a sense of what a major or mid-tier would like, you work to that model, but you've also got to, as an exploration company, be cognizant of what the market wants because that's the, that's the thing that feeds the beast until you get to where you want to be. So, Brad, where are you? Are you offense or defense at the moment?
2: Well, we're, we're offense. Uh but we're very similar to what Sean said. I mean, when I first started off, I was quite naive uh, uh, of the expiration of running an exploration company. I was in mining services for all my 20s. I mean, I've been on every property in the province, did all Murray Pezum's work. I, I, I'm not oblivious to it, but this is the first time I ran a company. But basically, I said, okay, Pritium is building a power line right beside an old past producing gold mine. How can I lose? So that's what got me involved but I've been reverse engineering to talking to major companies and going, okay, what is it that you guys look for? And you need size, you need the discovery. And, and I've been just basically building this because that is our, our function is, is to find something, move it on to more capable hands. And, you know, we're a great exploration team, but both Sean and I have a single asset producer here that we can uh, we got a new customer <laughs> over here, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, cause we are talking a lot of, Single asset producers, but I've been really building this uh, to fit the, the the framework of what these majors want. And I'm in a very similar to Sean. I mean, I have infrastructure. We we are in a good position. I'm a little bit further north, but I Newcrest is my neighbor. I own everything south of Newcrest and Newmont, and I'm sandwiched between two mines. So again, the cost of uh, uh, of putting something into production. I'm just a, maybe a couple of years behind. I, I'm still got to crack that million ounces, which I think will be at the end of this year. Uh, so, Brad, anyway. do
1: you get the do you get the exploration tax credit back as well from the government? Yeah. So, yeah. so this is something fantastic that British Columbia does: is for every hard dollar we spend, the government gives us thirty cents back. So, the government's basically paying us to explore. So, two weeks ago, I got a check back from the government for two point one million dollars. That puts us at six million dollars in government uh, refunds just in the last five years alone. So, that also saves some dilution.
3: No, that, that's that's interesting. When what do you? I mean, what do you get? I mean, you're, you've got a massive Nigerian
0: um, investor base. I mean, a lot of money coming out of there. What's going on? Yeah, look, um, not not just that. We have a very enabling mining code. You know, like I say, we're a first mover. They're trying to attract people into the sector. We have, you know, um, what we call a pioneer status for all mining companies, which means five years of zero tax payable for the first five years of production plus uh, uh, capital recovery. So up to $90 million on our capex back uh, tax-free before we start paying corporation tax. So it's it's, it's very enabling. Uh, we have free uh, repatriation of our dividends. We're allowed to earn our projects 100%. Um, yeah, and what can I say? It's a, it's a low royalty rate uh, jurisdiction as well. It's about 1.5% on the on NSR uh, going to the government. So it's a very attractive mining code and um, yeah, very value enhancing for, for shareholders. It's like mining
3: is going through a kind of a renaissance, renaissance at the moment. You're looking at what's going on in South America, lots of political wranglings, and um, you know socialism is high on the agenda. And I think some North 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 American investors are quite nervous about what that could mean, talks of nationalisation, etc. So, uh, and and you know, First Nations issues um, in 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 uh, Canada uh, and even down in uh, the USA. Um, it, it seems like. The 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 phrase tier one uh, is coming a little bit harder harder to call these days. So, I mean, again, I'll stick with you, you, you you obviously mentioned a few things that Nigeria's trying to do to kind of incentivize what's going on there. But um, of Burkina Faso, that that's not had an easy ride the past couple of years, and you know Senegal's had had its problems. So, what are you seeing governments starting to to do? I mean, are they the pro mining in West Africa?
0: Certainly, I mean, you know, not just from a uh uh, financial point of view, just the, the social aspect of it as well, the job creation, the the spill on uh, effects from that, the services that go on, the transfer of knowledge from the, you know, a lot of our expats come from Ghana, um, the transfer of knowledge to Nigerians as well. You know, it's uh, it's just, you know, all encompassing and I think the government's really behind it trying to pr- promote it in, in that regard.
3: Right. Okay. And, and what, what about you guys? I mean, you, you've mentioned a few sort of things that they're doing well. I mean, are, are there is there red tape being thrown at you? You know, are you concerned about the movement towards you know, you know this kind of anti fossil fuel movement in Canada? It seems. So is that, that going to help or hinder you?
1: Well, you, you're you're still getting um, permits are being issued in British Columbia on a regular basis. I mean, it wasn't too long ago, Ascot Resources, which I believe is up near uh, you there, Brad, and they got their development permit. Uh, osisco Development got their permit to expand their mine. Uh, was it, uh, oh geez, uh, um, Artemis Gold got their development permit not too uh, long ago. There's a gold mine that um, just about 20 kilometers to the east of us that was acquired 2 years ago and is now direct shipping ore to a mill about 100 kilometers away. So things are getting done in BC.
3: Okay. Interesting. But the one thing that you've all got in common is this kind of uh, environmental component of the ESG badge, which um, everyone's been getting a little bit crazy about because it's so polarising, um, certainly of the investor community. Um, environmental um, means, Different things to different people. And, you know, if I speak to some of the older, um, mining folks said, well, we've always done it. It's, it's not, that's not, not, not a new thing. It's just a new way of framing it. So, I mean, Sean, is, is that something that you think is, you know, good and healthy for mining uh, in terms of changing its, um, its brand perception to the wider audience? Or is it quite frankly business as usual?
1: Well, no. I mean, mining companies have to adapt and and they have been adapting. I mean, the the days where you could walk around and prospect with a stick of dynamite you know like 30 years ago you can't do that anymore. Uh, I mean this ESG is going to be a big driver moving forward. Uh, I was touring a mining company to our site not too long ago and you drive underneath a major hydrothermal line and they pointed um, sorry, a hydropower line and they pointed out if you're able to access say hydro generated power or natural gas power that's going to go a long way to con- to lowering your um, carbon emissions. So absolutely the companies are thinking towards that and if you're able to run off um again uh, low carbon um, energy, uh, natural gas, uh, hydro, etc. All the better for you.
3: Right, but isn't that an sort of unnecessary cost when you're an exploration company? Every dollar counts.
1: Well, well again, I mean, uh, as an exploration company, our, yeah. our drilling costs are at the lowest quartile. I mean, again, we're off a highway. We're near a city. No helicopters. No camps. Um, I challenge people in Canada often to say, you know, I bet your our drilling costs are lower than yours. And when it comes uh, when it comes moving forward. The hydro line, we, we actually have residential power to our property, but the hydro line itself is just a few kilometres north, so it won't cost much for us to you know tap into that. Or we have a natural gas pipeline running along the western portion of our claims as well, which we could also look at uh, using for an energy source
3: here. How do you feel about that, Brad?
2: Well, again, we're very similar. I have a hydro power line on the property boundary was one of the catalysts why I got involved. I think so the environmental, what have we seen in the last, because we've been doing it for so long is you know used to be <laughs> if you drill if you drop three or four uh, drops of gasoline right this this these are recordable events 20 30 years ago we had oil drums and i mean it was you know the practices have gotten so much better uh, and then on the social side you know with, with the local community and hiring it's you know i've been at it for a, a long time and, and worked you know dirty hand fingernail guy in northern bc and you know, working with the lo- local community. Now I've raised my family uh, for the most part of my life up where we're operating. I'm, I'm down on Vancouver Island now, but, um, you know, I've seen changes and, you know, and I, I generally think for the most part, the 80-20 rule, 80% of the people in this industry are trying to do things way better than, than we were before. And, and uh, so I, I, I think it's positive, uh, but, you know, if I'm going to tout my project, I'm on a brownfield site. It's a past producing mine. I'm not disturbing anything, you know, and because I have hydropower and I'm in a very difficult place uh, in the world to explore because it's very rugged apart from where Spence's bridge is, but we're lucky too. We've got road access. We, uh, we do use helicopters, but not on my main asset. It's all skid based. So, um, you know, we're not disturbing a whole bunch of, of uh, wildlife or anything like that, but you know, the ESG is here to stay. And, and, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's not as cumbersome as one would think. Uh, it's just extra boxes that you have to check. And, you know, mostly we're just trying to look after the local community and we're on Nishka territory is, 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 uh, where Scotty kind of sits and the relationships fantastic, but it doesn't hurt that I coached most of the kids in Northern BC of sports for 20, 20 years. So I know all the families personally. Um, so anyways, it's it's great. And it's, it's not really that much of an issue. And but I, I do think people should need to understand is these companies are doing really good work. Like we're not you know, no one's hiding and burying barrels of oil anymore. And I think that might have been the case uh, in the 80s. Right. But that's just the practices have changed. They're black and white. We're so much more responsible now.
3: And I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. And long may it continue um, along that path. Um, Shagin, if, if I look at, um, West Africa, you talk about new, you know, good mining code in Nigeria. It'll be a new mining code, uh, presumably adopted from somewhere, somewhere else. Um, everything's going to be fairly nascent in country. So things like mining new, but also things like ESG practice new. I mean, you presumably have got to work hand in hand with the Ministry of Mines to, um, well, establish a kind of good conduct code there as well, don't you?
0: Yeah, look, we we embrace ESG, uh, particularly being in Nigeria and the, the history and track record in the Niger Delta on the oil and gas side Yeah, um, issues with the communities. And we found that having good ESG policies and full transparency, working hand-in-hand with the communities has actually worked to our benefit. You know, it's, uh, you know, giving employment, letting them understand, you know, the, The timelines involved going from explorations, reconstruction, through to production. Um, On the the carbon footprint side, another aspect of our being in Nigeria, um, there's a lot of natural gas. We fully transitioned all our power to CNG in May. We now run our process plants and all the electricity that comes uh, from from CNG, which has reduced our costs and our our carbon footprint. And um, the same from the government side as well. So the government um, yes, they do have it's in its infancy in terms of the mining sector, however, we internally we've taken it upon ourselves to try and keep the you know world class top standards uh, with our ESG
3: right okay and interesting, and, and in terms of the um engagement with locals, is that it can't be just basic as like, we just we just want jobs, so we just want income. I know you built a, a big camp and some you know some permanent buildings there as well, so w- which is always. Can be welcomed, or do you have to sort of manage things slightly further afield as well? I'm I'm focusing on uh, Sigiolo specifically because I'm I'm not quite sure what
0: what the projects are that you're doing in Dula or or, or Hyundai at the moment. Yeah, no, no, it's not just as simple as that. Like I said, transparency was key. So letting them understand that, you know, for example, during the exploration phase, it's Drilling is, is very visual. You know, you've got massive RC and diamond rigs drilling 24 hours, pulling out coal from the ground. And then you go away and tell them, look, you haven't found anything yet. You haven't sold any gold. Um, and they find it hard to believe you. So there's, it's an educative process as well. Letting people know, going through exploration, determining the economic feasibility of it, tapering our community projects to our budget at, at various stages through exploration, through development, and now we're in cash flow. So we've had a range of projects from... Simple projects like grading the roads and putting in boreholes while we're doing exploration, to building schools, to giving scholarships, uh, tertiary education scholarships now, uh, medical centres. And I think what they find most appreciative is not just the jobs; it's the knowledge transfer, it's the upskilling of local um, community uh, members. Even something as simple as, as welding—you um, know, giving people the skills, uh, chemists to work in our labs, people who have secondary school education. And then upskilling them to work in in the labs to um, to actually uh, provide more value to us and earn more income for themselves. Okay. So, yeah. It's interesting.
3: I, I did want to kind of ask you, get on to question, ask you about some multi-jurisdictional de-risking and, and so forth, but I made this conversation another day. Uh, so I want to kind of stick to why we came into this, which people are nervous about the economy you know, they're, they're, worried about, um, you know, what it's going to mean. So this, all this printing of money has meant that, um, we've got to pay for it at some point. So the you know, taxes, taxes go up, costs have gone up with inflation across the board, less, uh, disposable income, less discretionary spend, and potentially that's affecting a big swathe of investors' decision making, right? So, f- for you specifically, Shigan, I'm going to ask the same of all three people here. So, how specifically have the markets affected you negatively? And what do you do about it? And, you know, in, in the sense that, you know, if you're concerned enough to kind of change the way that you have planned to do things, Shigen,
0: that's what I feel. I'll stick with you for now. So, when you say the markets, you mean in terms of our share price?
3: Well, no, I mean, no, not not the, not the, no, not the market. I I mean, the market's more broadly as to how they affect me, a retailer, in factor investor. I'm nervous, right? Should I be? Because I'm, I'm giving a broad blanket approach of these are the problems all mining companies will face. But the reality is different companies at different phases of their growth and different jurisdictions will be affected differently. So I want to know for you, how have you been affected specifically and what have you done about it?
0: Sure. Yeah. Look, um, that's uh, all very, all, all very uh, valid. I think across the, across the board, everyone's been affected. Uh, one of the key ones has been you know, the, the surging oil price and the diesel prices. Uh, like I say, we switched to compressed natural gas, which has been a massive saving. It's about uh, less than 40% of the, the diesel price. Uh, on our process plant, but our whole mining fleet still runs on, on diesel. So we're bound to feel that effect. The same with um, shipping costs and ammonium nitrate, for example, uh, to make our uh, explosives. Uh, we've tried to mitigate these risks by by um, stocking as much as possible, you know, six months ahead, nine months ahead for various things, uh, for reagents, for, for spare parts, for uh, ammonium nitrates, for explosives. So we think we we will certainly weather the storm in terms of costs and inflation through to the beginning of next year and then hopefully we continue to put mitigants in place or uh, these inflationary costs slow down um you know at, at certain points but um like i mentioned at the beginning we have a very good operational margin from our costs to to our revenue um, and there's a there's a lot of buffer in there uh, we put a, a good contingency in there we we are running at a design capacity, above design capacity in terms of our process plant. In terms of mining, we're, we're very fortunate the ore body is reconciling uh, very well and sometimes over-reconciling to the reserve model. Um, so what we, we think we've put as many mitigants in place and we think there's a lot of value here that people don't realize is still on the table.
3: Mm. Yes, essentially. I'm Sean. I'm going to come to you. This um, obviously, you get a slightly different company profile. Um, you're going to you can affect it in different ways. So, I'm interested in how you react. Right. Well, I've been a bit
1: more selfish here in that uh, a couple of months back we uh, announced one of the best holes drilled in Canada year to date, uh, 23 meters of 37 grams. It sent the stock up to about 75 cents. I never thought we'd see south of 60 cents. Again, here we are. you know, There's basically a buyer strike across the market. Our stock started trading in the thirty-five cents range. I've been buying our stock um, pretty much every day this week here. Tuesday, once I was on the buy this morning, so I've been using this
3: opportunity to buy my company. <laughs> that's that that that's good, but <laughs> which is a good message for for, for, your, for shareholders or people looking, looking at you. Uh, very good indeed. But I'm more interested in what the what the what the company's doing because I w- I want to kind of feel. Um, comforted by you that the company is not just seeing an overall, here we go, it's 12% increase in everything we do. I mean, how have you been hit?
1: There's very little. So, so as again pointed out, uh, diesel costs, that's been one of the largest inflation drivers. Uh, it's up about 30% this year, but there's nothing we can do to mitigate that at this stage. Again, we are an exploration company. So we just have to, uh, I guess, um, uh, uh, cope with it, uh, but diesel costs are coming down. Um, but again, uh, our drilling costs are still sub three hundred dollars per meter. That's diamond drilling, um, which is at the bottom quartile of Western exploration, um, and, and I'm talking um, America, Canada, and most of Latin America as well. So,
3: but but let's but let's let's break it let's break it down. We'll make it really simple for people to understand. It's like so as a percentage of your overall spend, fuel is what it's up thirty percent. That's a big number. I don't want to apply it to everything that you do. Drilling
1: is our number one cost driver because, as an exploration company, that's pretty much all we do. Uh, And so, a 30% increase uh, last year, we spent uh, about 10 million dollars on drilling. This year, uh, to accomplish the same amount of meters, given that you know the rocks rocks the same, overburdens the same, we'd have to spend about 13 million. Um, There's nothing we
3: can do with regards to that. Interesting, interesting. Brad, how's it affected you? What are you doing about it?
2: Well, we're we've actually. I've done a few things where we've always in the beginning years used consulting companies and that costs a lot more money. We do it all in house now to try and save, you know, we've bought a warehouse in the town of Stewart because we were shipping equipment all the time. And we bought a lot of our own equipment, like skid steers and stuff. So we don't have to rent those things. So because we were so serious in in exploration, we, you know, we, we know, and we plan to be here on a five-year plan, not, Oh, if we don't hit, we're gone away right so we've done that again you know fuels up you know 30% and it's probably a lot more expensive for me than it is for Sean because uh, just our, our location and diamond drills run on, on diesel but you know we think and again i've only been drilling for for 3 weeks now so you know that initial cost my my drill my drill per meter is is, is very expensive but we see it as I get my weekly reports, that we'll get it down, you know, to under 400, even with the the uh, increase in in price, which is good for the Golden Triangle. There's, you know, you go look at SeaBridge or you know these companies, and they're pretty expensive. So we've really focused in on costs a couple of years ago, and again, no consultants; it's all internal teams. And then, you know, my job in the winter time, because we're seasonal, is I get those. G, G, the the technical team jobs and other places just so i can retain the the uh uh the intellectual property that the smart kids or guys and girls and you know most of our technical team's been on the property four years they know it well right i don't i'm not recycling new new geologists through so you know we run it pretty tight i'm uh this is the first year i'm not on site right now but i've been an operational ceo i'm up on the tools i'm running equipment i'm uh you know, hell, Thomas is on the drill today. <laughs> like my VPX, he is actually on the drill uh, today because one of the helpers got some rash, and we just got to keep drilling. And so Thomas goes, well, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on the drill. I'm going perfect. Get some pictures." Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, it's it's tough, and and uh, I mean, because you know, it's just we're in the job of drilling holes. How can we get the most holes per dollar? And that's kind of what we focus on. And what are we doing different? Really, nothing. Our job is to drill holes. We have found something. We're doing exactly what we did the year before and the year before that. And we're always trying to save costs. That's, you know, but we're in the business of drilling holes and, you know, and, and not making people wait. Like, we're going to have a lot of unanswered questions very soon. And hopefully, they're as good as the last two, three years uh, that we've shown the market. So.
3: Okay, guys. Look, I want to I want to finish up. and I want to wrap up. Just conscious of your time, I'm um, I'm going to ask each of you um it, 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 to give us just a, a two minute reasons to believe, reasons to buy your company. it have got a big audience here.
0: Um, go for it. Again, I'll put you up first. Okay. Um, well, first thing to say is, look, we're we're now a producer. We're now generating real cash, and not just that. We're generating you know close to a hundred million dollars a year, which is not too far off our market cap. Um, and that's operational cash, not, uh, not uh, revenue. Um, not just that, that underpins our value p- proposition, but we do have a lot of upside potential in terms of near mine exploration, going under, transitioning to underground, extending the mine life. And like I mentioned earlier, we've got a second project. We're diversified by stage of development. We're also diversified by jurisdiction. We have a second project we fully intend to build uh organically and add further answers to our production um so we, we we think we're extremely undervalued we think this is an excellent buying opportunity we've demonstrated that since we've been in production uh we've met all our guidance we believe we continue to be at the upper end of our guidance for the year and through next year and yeah we're very excited about the next two to, two to five years as a company
1: Okay, uh okay, well, let's put aside the fact that for the better part of the last decade we've built the preeminent land position on the Spencer Bridge Gold Belt. Uh, let's put aside the fact that directors and officers, we own 25% of the company. While we're heavily aligned with our shareholders. Let's put aside the fact that we can drill year around. The only thing that I've seen recently that's been able to actually move the needle with regards to share price has been high grade drill results uh again, we continue we have posted high grade results consistently throughout the year. We have two drills turning right now as we speak. We have dozens of holes in different stages of processing, so looking forward uh, there could be near term potential for high grade drill results coming out of west staven gold
2: you know Sean and I are so similar um <laughs> you know we're following up on a new discovery with high high very high grade, not quite six hundred gram meters, but I do got four hundred gram meter holes so uh but I mean, it opened up my eyes at West Haven and it truly is a new discovery on his project for sure. Uh, what, what I can say is we have a new discovery on the blueberry asset that we have. We only have 7,000 meters of drilling on it. It's a new discovery. And I have 10 hundred gram meter holes that are spaced properly. Like we've gone from zero to 720 meters of strike on the road. And 7,000 uh, 7, meters with only 10, 10 uh, with 10, gra- 100 gram meter plus holes is pretty exceptional. Uh, the other part I'd say, and it goes back to another question is we're in the depths, we're at the bottom of the trenches, you know, and if two years ago, I would have told you to buy ExxonMobil, or if I would have bought, tell you to bought CNQ, different sectors, or pick a coal company, and I'm not advocating for coal, it would have been the hardest thing in the world to buy those companies two years ago that feeling that you would have felt as, as, as an energy investor and, and, and it would have been the hardest thing to write a check. You look at those charts. Now, the free cash flow of, of these oil companies, it's the same right now. We're at the bottom. The good companies are going to rise to the top. Uh, I'm probably going to go out and buy some West Haven today. I, I really am. I mean, I've been looking at it and I just go like, you have to understand it's it's in a new area. No one's even close to them. Like it's a beautiful, beautiful project. And with Scotty, Look at Newcrest is my neighbor. Ascot's North America's next mine. Scotty owns basically everything between the two of them. So I'm sandwiched between two very viable mines, mills. And I got seven past producing gold mines on Mm -hmm. our tenure, but we're just focusing on one right now and we're hitting it out of the park. So, you know, do your due diligence. But -hmm. everything's on, you can go look on our webpage, every interview we've done for the last four years. You can just look at them and take you two hours and go, did we do what we said we're going to do year after year? We have our chins are up. We're enthusiastic and we're going to have results coming. News news is coming soon. So (laughs) uh, we're excited.